Thank you very much, Kelly. For those that don't know, that's what I receive every morning before I come preach. The last voice I hear in my head is not my own insecurities or idiosyncrasies or what someone has said. I hear my wife praying over me on Sunday morning, so thank you very much. Guys, if you would mind taking this to the back for me. Uh, Turn me down just a little bit, if you will, and stand with me and turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I've got a few portions of scriptures today that are more than just one or two. Um, And I don't apologize for that. Y'all don't mind me reading the Bible, do you? Okay. But I want to finish up uh, the message this last week and this series on the last hour, what God expects, what we as believers should expect. And I want to finish out the subject matter of the increasing distortion and perversion of sexuality. We, we better talk about it. We better know it. We better be clear on it and uh, answer the question, how should we then live? So 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified Version of the Bible, which is a translation. It just expounds with uh, different adjectives and to flesh out the deeper meaning of the word. But understand this, this is to the believers, Paul speaking to Timothy, that in the last days, perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and to bear will come. Why? Because people, society, will be lovers of self, utterly self-centered, lovers of money, aroused by an ordinate greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant, contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They will be without natural affection. I remember the first time years ago when I heard, and I know this is a horrible illustration, the first, I remember the first time I heard about a, a baby being found in a public trash can. I remember it like yesterday. And I was studying in the Word where it said, without even natural affection. And now that's nothing. That's just common uh, on the news. They'll be callous and inhuman, relentless, admitting of no truce or appeasement. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate, loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled, fierce, haters of good. They will be treacherous, betrayers, rash, inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than lovers of God. Mark that down in your Bible. Lovers of sensual pleasures. For although they hold a form of piety or piety, true religion, they deny and are strangers to the power of it which is the personal shared life of Jesus Christ. They have a form of godliness, but they deny, they reject, they are independent of the life flow of Jesus Christ to their life. Avoid these people and turn away from them. Look at verse 12. Indeed, all who delight in piety and are determined to live a devoted and godly life in Christ Jesus will meet with persecution. They will be made to suffer because of their religious stand. 
But wicked men and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and leading astray others, and being deceived and led astray themselves. But as for you, continue to hold the things that you have learned and of which you are convinced, knowing from whom you've learned them, and how from your childhood you have had a knowledge and been acquainted with sacred writings, which are able to instruct you and give you the understanding for salvation, which comes through faith in Christ Jesus, through the leaning of the entire human personality on God in Christ Jesus, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. For every scripture is God-breathed, given by his inspiration, and profitable for instruction, reproof, conviction of sin, correction of error, discipline and obedience, and for training in righteousness and holy living. Now just put your finger right there, and I'm just asking you, I just submit this as a question. In Christian television, pick a preacher, any preacher, or the majority of them. How much of their teaching, listen, is reproof, conviction of sin, correction of error, discipline and obedience, or training in righteousness? It almost all falls in the last category, how to be a better you, how to make your marriage better, and all of those things are important. But the word of God is like a sword that cuts between the, the soul and the spirit, the, the bone and the marrow. It exposes, it's, uh, it's like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. It's like a fire that burns the fuel of our flesh and our carnality. So it should be in our lives. Yes, there's instruction. Yes, there's encouragement. But it's a revealing thing. Okay, verse 17 so that the man of God, the word of God's given to us, so that the man of God, the woman of God, may be, be complete and proficient, well-fitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now bear with me just a moment. You can stand just a minute longer if you're able, and then y'all can sit while I stand. That's why I got water up here. It keeps me going. You know, y'all don't get no water because you don't have to stand the whole time. Our problem as believers in the workplace and among those that aren't believers is we no longer have a true opportunity to converse and win one, someone over with dialogue. Because the baseline of truth is gone. There is no truth, there's just your truth. And if there is no baseline of truth, then argument can't be backed by evidence or truth that leads to someone saying, you're right. Have you ever felt when you try to discuss something with someone, it just goes round and round and round like it's buffering? So these words were not written for us to, uh, we can't win an argument with it. It's our lifestyle that's the argument. That there's a higher code. That there is a true north. Our society since there is no true north anymore, none of the compasses work. But we as Christians have a divine authority, the more sure word of prophecy, the word of God. And I want to, by God's grace this morning, talk to you for a few moments on sexuality and immorality and what God expects and what he does not allow because I know of many Christians, professing Christians, I don't, I don't know the condition of their soul, but I know what the scripture says about they that practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They are drunk in their own pleasure 
And have they have found justification for their sexual immorality in other drunk Christians and preachers. And we need to judge ourselves by the word of God. And we need to make sure that we are vessels sanctified unto honor, fit for the master's use. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. And Lord, I just pray my wife's prayer over me. Ditto. In Jesus' name. Last week, I told you you should expect a relentless current of hatred, opposition, and pressure to conform and persecution in your life as a believer. And this morning, I want to speak to you on the subject of what you should expect. You should expect an ever-increasing distortion and perversion of human sexuality. You say, well, how far can it go further? Exposure. Exposure desensitizes. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they were exposed to the knowledge of good and evil so that now evil could be a drawing force. They were exposed to their own nakedness that they did not know before. We talk about the defiling of a child, which I'll get to in a moment exposed to sexuality that they don't understand, causing irreparable damage in their mind, in their emotions, and in their behaviors. Satan's plan is to immerse the world in a sexual depravity that separates people from one another, separates husbands from wives, wives from husbands, innocence of children being lost, Marriage is being built on broken, distorted, perverted ideas of the purpose of human sexuality. And you know, the word itself, sex or sexuality, should not make you cringe. It was God's idea. It was God's design. Uh, but I'm just going to talk to you and get to my notes when I can. Our problem is if we don't have a baseline of what is allowed then we just go to it and say, well, I'm practicing this and I have good quiet time and God and I are okay. No, you're not. I was speaking to someone that I love very much who happens to be married to someone of the same sex and uh, talked to him a couple times a year. Uh, surprisingly, they still let me speak a couple times a year directly to the issue. And I, I'll write them, I'm just praying for your soul. I, I don't want to do heaven without you. I, oh no, God and I, I'm just giving you cliff notes. And the person, listen, in the natural, one of the kindest, sweetest, thoughtful, you just love to be around them. But as a believer, there's a deception there. And they told me, I've never been closer. My worship is beautiful, my prayer life, I am fine. And I wrote them back. I said, no, you are deceived because they that practice these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. This is not an argument we want to win with people. It is we have to know the baseline. We have to understand it. the homosexuality or fornication before marriage 
or adultery in marriage or uh, self-stimulation through pornography, that uncleanness, the word King James, uncleanness means uh, innate, inordinate sexual desires and the satisfying of those desires outside the confines of what God designed. That's that lifestyle grieves the Holy Spirit of God. He, the dove, flutters back and the devil will come in as an angel of light and give you all the sensation that you need or want to deceive you. If you knew you were being deceived, you wouldn't be deceived. That behavior, all of the sexual immorality does not send one, send one to hell. It's the evidence that the grace of God is not operating in the heart. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. We are capable, listen, people in this room, me, all of us, we are capable of anything. We're not judging anyone else. We're judging the sin. And when I speak to people uh, that name the name of Christ that are caught up in this sin and they're saying they're fine, I tell them, I'm, I'm not judging you. I'm guilty of as many, if not more, of the same sins that we're talking about in my life before Christ and some of those sins of the mind and others since Christ. I'm not, I'm not judging you, but I'm telling you that mine is not current. It is not practiced because the Holy Spirit will not allow me to practice it. We can do anything that we did before, we just can't enjoy it. Y'all look so stoic. You know what I'm talking about. You can do anything that you did before, but you, your sleep is affected. Your appetite is affected. You come to church and you realize he has removed his Holy Spirit. Not your salvation, but his Holy Spirit. He said, I'm not granting you peace so that you can solidify yourself in this immorality. Sex outside of the confines of marriage. In any form. God's standard and design for sexuality is between one man and one woman in the covenant of marriage. And the intimacy there, here's, here's where Christians get in trouble. Okay? I embarrassingly uh, was not only a fornicator before I got saved, but immersed in perversion as well. Okay. That's a C chord. For those of you, that's a C chord. In the confines of marriage, as a believer, with my wife reserving herself uh, for me and only for me, to my touch and my gaze, sharing the most intimate parts of who she is with me. That's a G chord. And the problem with sexuality is that the G chord never sounds like the C chord. That does not feel the same because it's allowed. It does not arouse the flesh the same way because there's no sin to it. Now, I'm not speaking about flesh in the natural. I'm talking about that carnal-based nature. When something's allowed, 
it doesn't feel like that which is not allowed, like the secret affair. The open affair doesn't feel like the secret affair. You see what I mean? And the issue of sexual immorality has nothing to do with sex. Go back to the garden. It's an assault on God's design. Everywhere you see sins, you can trace it back to the sin of rewriting God's story, rewriting his plan, his design, rewriting who he is, re rewriting. Satan approached Eve in the garden and said, hath God really said that you could not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Did God really say that? Because, you know, uh, he's really just, uh, it's just to keep pleasure from you. And when she saw the fruit that it was pleasurable, pleasant to the eyes, okay? Uh, lust of the eyes. It was good for food, lust of the flesh, and it would make her wise, pride of life. She took. That's the same principle in sexual immorality. It's, well, yeah, God designed it for one man and one woman in the covenant of marriage, but I, I think he's keeping something from me. And outside of the confines of marriage, I'm going to practice this. The church is separate much of, and when I say the church, I'm not talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about the professing church is separated from God through their iniquity. He says, if you regard iniquity in your heart, you esteem it, you, you're unrepentant. He said, I don't even hear your prayer. So there's alienation, distance, no communication. Well, I pray every day. He's not listening. I remember at Northside Assembly of God, I was been saved about two years. I was teaching an adult Sunday school class. And I made this statement. I said, if we regard iniquity in our heart, God does not hear our prayer. And another co-teacher in the class stood up while I was teaching. He goes, I, I've had sin in my life and God heard my prayer. Well, I ain't been saved long. You know, I didn't have no, I hadn't took tact 101 yet. I hadn't took, I'm just brand new. Man, listen, when I got saved, I was Damascus Road, Saul knocked off the donkey, wild locust and honey, you know, Naps, uh, burlap, where I just didn't care. So he stood up, I've got sin in my life and God hears my prayer. And just immediately I said, well, one of you is lying and being that God doesn't lie, I guess that leaves you. <laughs> he slammed his Bible. Now listen, the carnal church will say, you disrespected that guy. No, he's leading other people astray. That's the shepherd's heart that says, no, no, you can, do, you can be a fool yourself, but don't fool others. Don't deceive others. So he slammed his Bible and he got out and his wife straightened her wig up and she got out and they all walked out. And then a couple other people walked out. And so I'm standing here in my first little Sunday school class and I looked at everybody else. I said, how readest thou? How readest thou? Let me give you an example. If you trace back any sin... It always begins with a distortion, a dismantling, or opposition of God's original plan. God's plan for mankind. God's plan for the family. It's not just BLM. There are so many organizations that on their website, in their founding documents, uh, and I, I, I don't know how to say this any clearer, do black lives matter? Well, they should have been mattering all along for that 
Yes. But a movement that comes against, the, they say, the nuclear family. What that means is God's design for the home. One man marries one woman and they raise a family. And they are true to one another sexually, relationally, financially, emotionally. They are one. They say, well, we're against the nuclear family. We're LGBT inclusive. Uh, we also believe that a village, uh, a family is raised by a village. But God said, but God said, and you go back to that. And the world, the pressure now is to, to echo what the world's saying. And the call is to stand and echo what God has said. Uh, no, that's not God's design. God's plan for salvation. There's one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now they say all roads lead to heaven. Relativism. Uh, there are no absolutes, which is an absolute statement, which <laughs> blows that theory out of the water. God's plan for Abraham. God's plan for Israel. I'm amazed at the people that have written Israel out of the, uh, the word of God and saying that's Old Testament. God said, I have placed my name there forever. Forever. He's the son of David. He's coming back to the Mount of Olives. And when he returns, his foot's going to hit the Mount of Olives. It's going to split in half. And he's going to judge the world in righteousness. And, and the heavenly Jerusalem is going to come down to the earthly Jerusalem. And he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem for a thousand years. And human beings that are left are going to fly in, drive in, and come up the steps of the temple of God and worship him there. Had someone write me on Facebook. Lord, there won't be no Facebook in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Some smart aleck would say, then why are you on it? Because everyone else is. And I shepherd there. So they wrote me. Uh, I'm deeply offended by what you said about being pro-Palestine instead of Israel. Have you ever been to Palestine? They are a missionary there and they, they understood what they were saying. Do you know the people there? Now watch, watch. And I'm, I'm going to believe that everything in this person's heart was Right. That doesn't mean that their perspective was. They know people in Palestine, good women, good men, good mama, good daddy, honorable. They've built relationships there. They're evangelizing there, okay? So to say something that sets Palestine, Palestinians, as a nation, not as an individual, behind Israel is offensive to them because they have skin in the game, relationships. It's before them. They live there. But God's word trumps your experience. That is not their land. It is Israel's land. And I did not say that Israel deserved it. I said that God chose it. So if you trace back anything, God's plan for Israel, God's plan for the church, God's plan for redemption, righteousness, and his return. The sexual immorality that's pervasive and flooding our nation. I'll just stay with our nation and overseas it's even worse in one sense. I, I can't even watch them. I, people send me these videos of six-year-old girls being married to 60-year-old men. I can't... 
I can't even watch it. It's, and the girls are screaming because they know from family and friends what is coming. But all of it goes back to the rewriting God's plan after the dictates of their own heart. It's man doing what is right or desirable in their own eyes. There is a progressive, systematic, satanic plan in the issue of sexuality. Relentless, if you're taking notes, exposure to unlawful, abhorrent, and perverse behaviors. Media and education. Schools. Media and education. I read this week where there was an uproar in some city, I forgot where, that the progressive teachers were greatly concerned that conservative parents were going to be able to hear what they were teaching their children online. You know, answer the phone. It's ringing. It's for you. You know. Exposure. Exposure. You never have a taste for something you're not exposed to. I, I, we ha my wife does most of it. We have to sit in front of the TV while our children watch Disney. Stop, 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 stop. Why is that little girl dressed like a prostitute? She's 11. Stop, stop. She hasn't said, I'm a prostitute. She hasn't said, I'm giving away my body. She's not said, I'm engaging in uh, oral sex or uh, intercourse. She's not said that, but it's exposing that child to the feelings, the stirrings in their young body, and they're associating those feelings, those endorphins with those pictures, and then they decide that that person is cool. Now you can like me or not like me, you can agree or disagree, but this is the truth. Mark it down that I'm telling you. Follow the child stars of the last 25 years. I'll speak to that alone, my lifetime. They win your children when the little child stars are 12, 13, 14, yours are six or seven. They follow them through their teen years. They become pop stars. They follow them into their 20s. They have a decade and a half of singing every song that they have. They've watched all their shows. Then they become the most base, perverse artist who flaunt brazenly uh, homosexuality, bisexuality, Satanism, pedophilia, cannibalism, satanic worship, and the kids have already followed them. They know that star better than they know you. It's a satanic plan. Well, Brother John, that's just ridiculous. You can't keep everything from your kids. I know, but I can keep everything I see from them. That's not right. If it feels wrong, it is wrong. Turn it off till you can figure out why. But exposure, the normalizing of these behaviors. See, it has to be cool. It has to be an idea before it can be cool. Now, you can get mad again. And uh, if you're going to write me a letter, please write it to Andy at Christ Chapel. Uh, no, First Assembly, Barnesville. He'll, he'll appreciate it. Made me forget what I was going to say. The normalizing of these same behaviors. 
the TV will start to uh, normalize certain things like 100 years ago when MTV started. By the way, I was in college the first year MTV came out. I have that distinction, that notoriety. And then you got shows like The Real World and everything else. And you'll notice that what they were exposed to on the television finds its way into their life and then it finds its way into the church. Oh, 15 years ago, nobody got tattoos. You can get mad at me. I'm not saying, I, listen, don't write me. I don't care what you do. I ain't got none. You don't put a bumper sticker on a Ferrari. I ain't, I ain't messing with it. <laughs> That's just me. And everybody with tattoo get mad. I, just quit. Just quit. You can wear a bumper sticker. I, go for it. Do, do what you want to do. But it, was, it gets popularized on TV. Just follow what I'm telling you. And then everybody does this. Nobody cut themselves in my high school. Nobody cut, them, nobody cut themselves in my high school. Nobody cut themselves in college. I'm telling you, well, they did. You just didn't know. You'd know if somebody's arm was cut from its wrist to its elbow. You'd know. They were exposed to it in television. And it was normalized through the character on television. These behaviors, it's a systematic, relentless saturation of exposure that normalizes behavior that contradicts and is contrary to the Word of God. The sexual revolution didn't just start in the United States on its own. The fire was lit in television. The instruction of those behaviors to the innocent and undefiled in our schools. How many of you are over 40? I, I, okay. I'm, I don't agree with me unless it's true. Is there any way, is there any way possible that when we were in grammar school, that our, our kindergarten, that they would have taught you how to pleasure yourself sexually Anal sex, oral sex. Okay, so what is this about? Exposure to the child. It's the satanic plot. The Bible said the adulterer, the adulteress seeks the precious life. If I expose you to it and create a normalcy through what you watch and what you hear, eye gate and ear gate, what you watch on television and what you hear in the school, now in the same way tattoos became you know, popular and the cutting became popular, now it is actually popular to be confused about your sexuality, your identity, whether you're a boy or whether you're a girl. Do you understand how much systematic exposure must happen for someone to not know that there is only two sexes? These guys on, I watch the videos on the street. So, so how many sexes are there? And these people are at Yale, 53. Well, I'm identifying today as, well, yeah, but that don't change. I'm identifying as a slim 25-year-old millionaire. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't change the reality. What type of number has to be done on a nation and a church for us to ignore physiological facts that have stood since the beginning of time? And some of you, some of us, are being changed through exposure and we're starting to feel the normalcy of what we're seeing and hearing 
and we're backing away from the standards set in God's word. The current of evil. Let me, let me give you one example for me. I don't watch sexually themed television shows or um, movies. Now, in just about every movie, you have to fast forward. Okay. I'm very intrigued by predictive programming in television. I, I, don't, I don't make a doctrine out of it. I don't preach it to you. I'm just telling you I'm intrigued and I, I watch and I'm amazed at how much exposure in television and media has happened 10 years, 15 years later to, to the letter. And there are certain series that I didn't watch and I started to watch and had to turn it off because of things that I saw. And I, if I know my heart, you know how Lot was grieved in Sodom, how he didn't want to be exposed. I wasn't watching for those things and I would fast forward it. But something happened, I was telling Kelly, I was watching this week a certain series and something happened to my soul. It got dirty, it got, I wasn't watching it for pleasure. I fast forwarded everything I knew to fast forward as soon as it started, but it changed me. I was hearing and seeing things that created a normalcy about it. And this Sunday morning, I'm standing on the front row, row and I said, Lord, I just repent. If, if, if it means I can't be educated on it, I just be ignorant. I just, I can't afford the, the grieving of your Holy Spirit leaving me to a pursuit of knowledge that does harm to my spirit. The, after the instruction of these behaviors to the innocent and undefiled, there's a reproduction and duplication of these behaviors. There was not one openly transgender person in my school. Now, did some struggle with that? I'm sure they did. But now, do you understand through normalcy, we're now teaching, inviting, paying for the deconstruction of the bodies of children. This isn't an issue of just God said don't sleep around. It's the rewriting of the code of God's design. It's the rewriting of everything that's going to shape that child. There's some of you like me today, and this is embarrassing, but subjects like this for me, I believe I help you when you can identify with me. Even though they were repented of, and turned away from and I washed my hands and the blood of his son cleansed me and as far as the east is from the west so far hath he removed my transgressions from me that exposure and that practice I carried it into my marriage this is why God says flee youthful lust run from this immorality because it's going to find you out it's going to find you out in your mind. It's going to find you out in your emotions. It's going to find you out in your desires. It's going to find you out in your actions. And your wife and your husband and your children and your church are going to pay the tab. Is there anything going on in your mind? Any books that you're reading for pleasure? 
And I'm, I, I'm not one of these preachers that tells you what you don't turn on the television, don't, don't read a book. Don't. I'm asking you and your walk with the Lord. You know, you can read pornography just like you can look at it. It's like the women who scream at their husbands, rightfully so. And by the way, husbands, you shouldn't have a locked door or a password. Well, nothing your wife doesn't know. No locked doors, no passwords. And rightfully so, they don't want their husband watching that. But they'll read those harlequin romance books. Pornography. So what's she doing? She is satisfying herself to some degree in a way that her and her husband are not meeting one another's needs. But even if they were still in love and still affectionate, she's getting a C chord out of the book and all he can offer is a G chord. Be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Turn it off. Turn it off. If it caters to your flesh, there's your signal there. If it's unallowed, let God's word, let the standard of God's word guide you here. Look for this verse. 1 Thessalonians 4. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from every form of sexual immorality, that you should know how to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, which means the, the, the satisfying of evil desires, even as the Gentiles who know not God. Anybody else, you know, a lot of us are older. Anybody else remember, you know, like we can't remember if we paid the bill Tuesday, but you can remember songs from the 70s and 80s, all the verses, all the stanzas. And you're saved on this side of it and something will come on the radio and you'll be singing along and then you go, oh my God. I didn't know that was in there. Which shaped your views. The music I listened to falsely taught me what I thought a man was supposed to be because I didn't have a daddy to speak into my life and tell me who I was. So I was an MTV pornographic man. Flee immorality. Not dialogue with it. Not reason with it. Not wean yourself off of it. You know what Greek for flee means? Flee. Run. There's the reproduction and duplication of these behaviors. I told you there are doctors now that say that uh, gender dysphoria and, and, and transgender uh, is up like 3,000% or four. Why? Because it's on the news all the time. Be, be aware of the exposure and stuff. The, and now watch this. And for those of us that do not practice that, but we're exposed to it, there's the pressuring of individuals in society to conform to the acceptance, even if you don't agree with it, the acceptance of these behaviors. And the Bible tells us that not only do we not participate, we reprove. That doesn't mean you're mean-spirited. It doesn't mean you beat someone up. It's you stand and say, that is contrary to the plan of God and it is sinful. It is sinful. See, me saying I'm a Christian doesn't make you angry at me. 
But when Paul told the king, he said, you shouldn't have your brother's wife. Well, that cost him his head. So you're, you're invited to the homosexual wedding. Do you come? Absolutely not. Well, Brother John, absolutely not. Because my testimony there helps, no matter whether you want it to or not, it solidifies in their mind with the weight of my influence, their deed. But I also don't just not come. I call them or go see them or write them and tell them why. I said, I would rather you hate me in this life than to do anything that would set sin in concrete in your heart. I love you. And if you're mad with me, I ask you to forgive me for the pain I've caused, but not for my decision. I stand by it. That's where persecution comes in. Well, I'm just going to live my life and, you know, I just believe we're all supposed to just love one another and just let them go to hell, right? If we would stop caring more about them liking us than we do their soul, we would be a voice. Now, to the, now that, the Bible says if, uh, not to even have fellowship with someone that practices sexual immorality. But he also said, now, if I meant everybody, you'd have to go outside the world. You'd have no friends. But believers, professing believers that live in sexual immorality, he said, don't have fellowship with them. Is that so you can show your superiority? He said, no, your fellowship, acting as if nothing's wrong, solidifies their sinfulness and causes great harm and destruction. The Bible says, let not spiritual, uh, let not sexual fornication, immorality of any form, let it not be named once among you. Not once. So let me get to the brass tacks here. That limits what you can watch. Limits is not a strong word. It died, you ever seen a didactic page and it's all, they leave like three or four words. If everything, almost everything is immoral and sexually saturated and I'm supposed to flee it, I don't get to watch what other people are watching. I don't get to listen to what other people are listening to. Let me tell you how the Holy Spirit works. And would y'all give me just a few more minutes? I may run five or 10 minutes long. Would y'all do that this morning? Would someone go tell our children's church, I mean this because they plan theirs, just to give us till um, just 15 more minutes total. Let me tell you how when I was coming up in church, anybody else part of the holiness? Church, holiness without which no man shall see God. Right. That's, the, that's the scripture. But some of them were, were monitors, Holy Ghost monitors. And you walk in with a dress and they have the measuring tape. <laughs> No makeup. I'm like, are we sure? Uh, no. And we tell them, you know, they come into church and, the, and the, the ladies with the long dresses and the long hair and the long tongue to match, you know, uh, they, they meet them at the door and, I, are you wearing that into God's house? Well, that really stirs someone to desire to live holy, you know. Uh, you, you can't come in here like that. Or the man comes in and back when I, I mean, you, you had to wear church clothes. And if you just came in with jeans or something, you, you know, 
he's backslid. They had this idea, you know. That, now, I still believe in bathing and shaving and dressing for church. Some of y'all ought to try that. It's just, you know, coming in with PJs and a coffee, you know. I don't think that's how Moses met God at the uh, burning bush. But anyway, so we try to, con see, you don't legislate morality through disdain. That person that just got saved, they slept with a different guy or girl every other weekend for five, six years. They probably don't have the clothes in their closet that you had. By that I mean we're attracting, trying to attract people like a fishing lure. So they, they come to church and you're like, oh, you know, I remember a buddy of mine had a church and this girl got gloriously saved. She was a call girl. So just leave it at that. She'd come in and had a skirt that barely, barely covered her credentials, you know, just, just right here. And had the, had the black pantyhose with the, with the lights coming up and a butterfly that was <laughs> doing that. You like coming to church, oh, you know, the people just fainting and falling out. And, uh, and then someone come up and beat up. Listen to me, beat up this new daughter of Zion, offend her, hurt her, embarrass her in a house that she just got the keys to. That's not God's way. But if she's standing in front of a mirror, she's been saved for a month. And she's getting ready to go out and the Holy Spirit whispers to her and says, daughter, that girl's gone. Button that up, two more buttons. Change that, watch. And the father says, look at my girl. And she starts to change. And then an older lady in the church comes up to her. Her beauty days are gone. I just want to tell you something. I'm watching you change before my very eyes. You are so beautiful. Do you see? Do you see? The Holy Spirit does the changing. And this mama through after or before can instruct. They can pull to the side and say, do you really think that that's necessary anymore? It, come here. Would, could, I, could this 75-year-old woman take you and me shopping? I ain't going to tell you. I don't want you to look old like me. Can we find some stuff that will represent this new life that you have? Because that other isn't you anymore. And then change. I've said all that to say this. There's a way to stand. There's a way to be. There's a way to carry yourself that is not self-righteous. But it is righteous. If our musician would come here. Ephesians 5. Listen to this. Don't lose me here. Fornication and all uncleanness. Let it not be named once among you. For this you know. You know. That no whoremonger. Sexually immoral person. No unclean person 
has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. That does not mean when someone commits fornication, they lose their salvation. It says if that is who the person is, there is no salvation resident there because the Holy Spirit will not allow you to stay. I have hope for my friend that's married to her same-sex partner. Why do you say that? Because about once or twice a year, they write me and tell me how they're convicted. I say, call me right now. I'll write them, call me right now. I, I, I can't, I say, come on. You're scared to call me because you know by the time we're done talking, you're gonna pray and you're gonna repent and get out of there. Having said this, and all of us have our baseline about, yeah, that's right, that's right. How about you this morning? Isn't it funny how we want all the world to see how wicked it is and don't realize the pockets of wickedness in our own heart? There is a grace, there is a grace available today for you. That's right, for you. The Christian, the mama, the daddy, the boy, the girl. Grace for that which you've rationalized, justified, hid and denied. Grace for the things that won't satisfy you and for the things that won't let you sleep. This grace, God's grace, is divine. It comes from Him. No man can give it. It has nothing to do with who you are and everything it has to do with who He is. This grace is comprehensive. It travels backwards to when the choice is started and it travels forward to future failures. It's pure. It does not have a generic alternative. It is God's grace. It is exclusive. It is powerful, all powerful and sufficient for every transgression and every transgressor. Every illicit expression of my sinfulness coming from my dark heart has been forgiven. And he will not bring up my transgressions anymore. It washes the soul. It heals the heart. It renews our mind and sets broken bones. Although it's available to all, it only comes to the repentant. I wonder if in our church, Christ Chapel, Macon, Georgia, if there's any people in just a moment that find themselves convicted by the Word of God, that would have the courage and the character to pray with King David. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness and to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly. This was from his sexual sin. From my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. It is against you and you only have I sinned. And I've done this evil in your sight. I was shapen in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. I know you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you'll make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, O God, and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. 
hide not your face from my sins or hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy spirit. Then I will teach others. Then on the other side of separation and wellness, I can teach others your ways. I wonder if there's anyone that doesn't care how someone else might speculate because their opinion is irrelevant. But I am going to confess that pocket of immorality at whatever level. It ain't none of your business what it is. It's not the pastor's business. It's not a priest's business, but it is God's business. And I repent today. And there'll be those that aren't practicing it. But you need to wash your hands once and for all for that formal lifestyle behind you. Cut the last rope to the tethered hot air balloon and say, that's not who I am anymore. And if that's you, it'll take just a moment. See, you're not going to, this is not magic down here. This is an assault to your pride. And then you go home and work it out with the Lord. If that's you, I just, give me a clean heart, God. I repent. I don't even know how to get back. Or just, you know, you know me. Forgive me, oh Lord. If that's you, I want you to just come and stand. I told you, I prayed it this morning, standing right there. It wasn't my desire, but I was affected nonetheless. If that's you, who will stand with me this morning as we close in prayer? I don't want any trace of immorality in my life, in my mind, in my heart, in my words, in my choice of music. I don't, I don't want it in my life. My flesh does. But I choose, Lord, to walk pure before you. I want to walk pure before you, oh Lord. I want to walk pure before you, oh Lord. I want to walk pure before you, oh Lord. Some of you are sitting there thinking, it's such a small thing. Yeah, but it's a thing. Repent. I believe there's others. Guys, I'm not going to browbeat you. If not today, when? Repent. Come on. Who else is it? Come on. Just wait a moment longer. It's probably me. Yeah, it is. Come on. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be delivered, saved. He knows your thoughts are far off even before you think them. And there's grace for you today. There's grace for you today. Church family, would the rest of you stand with us this morning? Those in the altar, if you'll look this way just a moment, because when you go home, I still believe in an altar time here, but this is not the, you know, sometimes we can make people think this is the place where it all happens. No, let me tell you what an altar is. It's something, it's a place where something dies. You know what on fire means? When people say, on fire, we think loud, bold. No, it means there's fuel there. If you're on fire, that means God is burning up something in your life.
That's on fire. It's not how loud I get. It's how much fuel is there. Now, the beautiful thing about repentance is the guilt goes away. Goes away. Don't take your cues from the crowd. Many of them are backslidden. Take your cues from the Christ. It's hard to live pure, especially when the saturation comes this way. These are my final words to you. So what do I do from here, Pastor John? Tell you my practice. I confess. And guys, just give us three minutes here. This is important for gentlemen or women if it's pornography. It's not, oh God, forgive me that I looked at something. It is, oh God, forgive me for committing adultery with my eyes. Do you see the difference in that? <laughs> Sounds a little bit different. Lord, forgive me for reading that book and enjoying the feeling of that person committing a sin that I have not yet committed. You, you confess it as specific as you know how. And then you receive grace for it. Now turn from it. Cut those opportunities off. I know a man in his 40s that his business is at stake. This was a couple years ago. Because he, he cut off his data phone, which is a lifeline to his business, because it hurt his soul. And here's a guy who owns his own company walking around with a flip phone. He said, it ain't, I lose. Ain't no telling how much money I lose. But I've got to now make decisions Distance is your best friend. That person, that show, that distance. Do you know there's a 0% chance I get shot in Atlanta today? I know that's silly. I'm telling you my secrets. How do you? Do? I'm not in Atlanta. Distance, okay? No exceptions. No excuses. Those two things. Well, when you start off your sentence with, well, that, that lets you know right there. No rationalization, no excuse, no exceptions, no excuses. And then tell the Lord, I want to glorify you with not only my soul, but my body. And I will not defame your name or plan with my choices. I'll tell you another level of honesty. Everything in my old nature wants to do that still but I'm not doing that anymore because I love you. Now, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. You are forgiven. Walk in that newness of life. Okay, guys, we gotta cut some stuff off. We gotta make some changes because it's gonna get worse and worse. Let it not be named once among you. When he comes, and the same way a man cannot go home to his wife with a woman's perfume on. Don't have the fragrance of this world's immorality on you when Jesus comes. Be a chaste virgin, a pure virgin, waiting on her bridegroom to come. Amen. Pastor Wade, come pray for us.